the Bain Free Radio Hour. On the podcast, dress up for your spot in the biggest and freakiest costume parade of all time. Oh, wait, that's what you already do. It's called life. Swords, guns, rockets, and book launches. T-minus two weeks, listeners. Plus, part 18 of our complete audiobook serialization of Larry Correa's Hard Magic. All right now. Welcome to the Bain Free Radio Hour podcast. It's an honor to have you along. I'm Bain editor Tony Daniel. This time on the podcast, we'll talk to Bain editor Jim Menz about science fiction conventions and what Bain is up to at them. Jim and I discuss convention going and science fiction fandom in general and how they intersect or do not intersect with reading books. We talk about what to do if it's your first time at a convention and the way that publishers interact with science fiction fandom. We like to keep the podcast meaty and interesting and to really dig into the books and art with our guest. That said, this podcast is a lot more promotional than we usually are here. But there are so many Bane doings coming up that we felt like it was worth dedicating some time to letting you know some of the events we're holding or taking part in that will involve some of your favorite Bane authors, such as David Weber, John Ringo, Timothy Zahn, Larry Correa, and lots more. We have the big Atlanta Dragon Con joint book launch for John Ringo's Islands of Rage and Hope and David Weber and Tim Zahn's new Honorverse series Manticore Ascendant with first entry A Call to Duty. And if you've ever wanted to come in costume to a convention, and who hasn't, but can't quite see taking a long bath in gray paint to become a Doctor Who weeping angel and then having to wear your corpse-like skin to work on Monday, we have a Bane slot in Dragon Con's gigantic cosplay parade for costumers to come as their favorite Bane book characters. We have our first annual fantasy short story contest with awards presented at Gen Con in Indianapolis. Larry Correa will be there to give it away to our winner, and this is going to be an annual affair. And we have the first gleaming hints of the new Bane Writers Boot Camp that Bane is going to be putting on in the summer of 2015. Do swords, guns, rockets, and writing sound interesting to you? Well, you might want to check into this. And, of course, we continue with our complete audiobook serialization of Larry Correa's Hard Magic. It's read by Bronson Pinchot. But first, here's the news. The August hardcovers and original trade paperbacks are now at booksellers everywhere, or will be next Tuesday. This month we have John Ringo's Islands of Rage and Hope. This is book three in his Black Tide Rising series. The series is about how a handful of humans survive a zombie apocalypse, how they band into a ragtag fleet of ships and work together to take back the land and restart civilization. It's much more about how the human characters deal with the world that they're forced into, including a couple of teenage girls who are two of our heroines. But there's also plenty of zombie action in the series as well. And we have Charles E. Gannon's Trial by Fire. This is the sequel to Fire with Fire, which is currently a Hugo nominee. Polymath and man of action Kane Reardon returns from the first book and becomes the point man for humanity's first known contact with star-faring aliens. 
Trial by Fire and Islands of Rage and Hope are now at booksellers everywhere next Tuesday. Check them out. Well, welcome Jim Menz to the podcast. Hi, Jim. Hey, Tony. Jim Menz is a senior editor at Bain Books and the director of Subsidiary Right. He's worked for many years in the publishing industry, starting out at Tor, moving to Del Rey, and finally here at Bain. Jim is originally from Wisconsin, although you'd never know it from his accent. At Bain, Jim works with writers such as David Weber, Lois Bujold, Eric Flint, David Drake, John Ringo, Larry Correa, many, many others. Now, if you've heard of science fiction conventions but never attended one, well, they can be very interesting in many ways. Bain takes an active part in promoting the books of the authors you all love at science fiction conventions and events. We have Bain-related events coming up at Gen Con, the big gaming convention in Indianapolis this month, and at Dragon Con, the con that ate the other cons in Atlanta on Labor Day weekend. And we'll be presenting the Bain Roadshow at other conventions in the fall. Jim, how do convention goers and readers of science fiction and fantasy intersect? Like, what's the Venn diagram for that well, look like? Luckily for all you listeners out there, I've created a very detailed drawing. Oh, wait, no. Yeah, um, yeah. One of the things about it is uh, science fiction conventions range in size and shape and flavor in many different ways. Um, at the smaller side, you've got small regional conventions that may only have three or 400 people attending it, one or two guests, author guests of honor, and a handful of other professionals. And yet that'll still probably have a pretty good strong focus on books, whereas you get to something like a giant media convention, say a Star Wars celebration, and while there's certainly people who identify themselves as science fiction fans there, most of them would not identify themselves as a reader first, rather they're a fan of a media property. And then, of course, you got things like Dragon Con, which ranges up to 50,000 people. And while there's actually a really terrific science fiction convention focused on literature going on there, that's just a tiny small percentage of the 50,000 attendees that are actually there. Um, there's a lot of authors, a lot of smart programming, great literary track, all the rest. On the other hand, there's only a few thousand of us doing it compared to the other 40,000 who are there just to party. So if you're if you've never been to a convention and say Dragon Con is your first, <laughs> uh, what should you do? How do you make the most of a visit for your first time? Uh, Dragon Con is a whole different kind of beast, given the size of it and the sheer press of humanity. If you've never been to a science fiction convention, I gotta say it may not be your best choice for your first science fiction convention. Um, on the other hand, if you enjoy insane parties that are extremely crowded. Uh, say like you enjoy Mardi Gras or Carnival, then you might have a great time and be able to drop right into Dragon Con and not miss a step. On the other hand, going to a smaller SF convention might let you get a chance to get to know people a little bit better, meet some other fans who do go to places like Dragon Con and the rest, but also to some of the smaller conventions in a more relaxed atmosphere. Although, you know, hey, you, you want to jump in the middle of a party feet first. Dragon Con's a great place to do it. Yeah. Um, of course, Depending on the con, there's a lot of different approaches to how you get an experience from the convention. Uh, Dragon Con can be a little tough because there's so much going on. You just don't know where to go and where to turn and what to do. And there's things going on literally 24-7 around the clock somewhere at that convention. And the big danger there, of course, is making sure you don't 
get enough sleep, get your food, make sure you bathe regularly, those sort of things. Whereas if you go to a small regional con, it can be much easier to just relax, sit down in the convention's con suite, as they call it, a place where you can pick up snacks, beverages, in some cases, especially down south, some really good food, and you'll suddenly discover, hey, you know what, I'm sitting next to Tim Zahn here, author of, of course, numerous Bane books as well as some best-selling Star Wars titles. And they'll, you'll find they're just actually hanging out like the rest of the people. And that's one of the advantages of a smaller con is there's usually a more relaxed atmosphere to actually interact with pros. Whereas, of course, Dragon Con's where you can find yourself sitting in a room with 5,000 other people discovering what is the next new hot thing coming from Hollywood or your biggest best-selling author and the rest. Yeah, that I mean, that's one of the hallmarks of science fiction conventions is the fact that right, there's no boundaries between writers and and fans and readers uh you they do mix you know there's not like this this line of desks that the authors are behind and you're on one side and they're on the other you can hang out and ask what they're working on yep that's absolutely true even at dragon con you'll find authors are a little more approachable although given the way dragon con set up it and because people have a tough time moving through such a large venue, it, it, it takes place in multiple hotels. And because there's such a huge crush, even if you just need to go, say, 200 yards to the next hotel lobby, you have to plan on taking 20 minutes to shuffle through the giant crowds. That means you don't have the same kind of time to just leisurely chat. On the other hand, that's one of the great things of being in science fiction is that Pros are fans first. They, almost every single pro who works in the business was a reader of science fiction and fantasy, probably from their childhood, and has been dedicated to the genre and loves it just as much as the fans do. And indeed, that's why they do what they do, because believe me, with the pay in science fiction publishing, yeah, if you don't love the books, you've got no business being in it. If you want to get your favorite writer to sign your book, how do you do that at a convention? Well, the nice thing is most conventions have autograph session signed up for authors um at dragon con it's very organized whole separate room with autographings of course you go there and you discover you're waiting in line with 200 other people that can seem a little long and tedious until of course you remember guess what these are 200 other people that love these books just as much as you do you've just made a new friend sit down have a chat about your favorite authors what they're doing at dragon con and that sort of thing the flip side too is that of course even at conventions where they may not have a specific signing track set up, check out the Huckster's Room. The dealers, usually there's going to be at least one or two book dealers, if not more. And most of those book dealers are, of course, finding out what authors are attending the convention and setting up signing sessions with them. Or, at the very least, they'll hopefully have some stock signed by that author if there isn't time to set up a formal signing schedule. But even for us at DragonCon, we will have signings happening at the independent booksellers booth the missing volume so in addition to the official autograph session if you check out missing volume or when we get a little closer to the convention check out the bain website probably the week before or so we should have an autograph schedule set up for all the main authors who are attending dragon con and when they're going to be signing at the missing volume and usually the lines at the huckster room are much smaller than what you'll find at the official event because, of course, the official event's set up well in advance as part of the programming. So people know, hey, this is when I can go get Laura Clay Hamilton's signature if she's attending, and that's when they'll be there. Whereas if you check it out and you, you go to the dealer's room and find out from the people who can actually sell you the books, a lot of times you'll find that the lines aren't nearly as big. Plus, of course, there's a lot more going on in the dealer's room than sitting on the floor in some random area of a convention center. 
So let's talk about the conventions. Uh, what do you want to do? Talk about first Gen Con or Dragon Con? Well, why don't we talk about Gen Con first? It's interesting right. because this is our first year of really doing something with Gen Con. Now, I have deep roots in the gaming community. I grew up in Wisconsin, and that, of course, is where TSR and Dungeons & Dragons was born. And I went to every Gen Con from 1978 to 1996. Now, that being said, I was there as a gaming geek, started playing D&D when I was 10 years old, never looked back. Even had friends who worked for TSR, friends who worked for Gen Con when it was still based in Milwaukee. And so I had a lot of connections to the local community. Now, I started working in publishing in 1993, but I was fastidiously kind of keeping the church and state separate. While I was a Gaming Geek fan, I worked on the book side. That was something I did. And honestly, Gen Con, especially back in the early, mid-90s and the years before, didn't have that much programming really geared towards books. But in the last 20 years, and they're celebrating their 20th anniversary this year, they've built up the Writer Symposium there. And this year, that's a writing conference that has 1,500 registered attendees. And they have something like 60 authors attending. Now, what we've done is we've sponsored the Get Literal Track and the Writer Symposium as part of Gen Con. And that means Larry Correa is being brought in as a special guest. So if you want to get meet Larry, you'll hear him talk about urban fantasy, get a chance to get him to autograph something for you. He'll be at Gen Con, as will Mike Williamson. And, of course, he'll be there doing his 9,000 years of edged weapons chat on two-hour two chat about uh, weaponry because, of course, he's one of the foremost experts out there, makes the stuff, restores the stuff. And then, of course, David Coe, who's one of the newest authors on the Bane list, although he's actually been around for 20 years himself, and he's also going to be attending. Now, one of the interesting things about our choice to sponsor, and part of this is we're celebrating our 30th anniversary here, for those of you who haven't been paying attention the last few months. And, in fact, August is the 30th anniversary of the first Bane publication. And so we're sponsoring uh, Gen Con. We're doing some events at Dragon Con we'll chat about in a bit. And one of the things we're doing at Gen Con is that besides, of course, doing the slideshow, I'll be on panels, authors will be on panels, all the usual convention stuff, you'll find, of course, that, well, the Bane logo is going to be all over the place uh, for all 50,000 attendees to see. We're actually giving away 1,500 copies of Monster Hunter International, one to every attendee of the Writer Symposium. That's cool, and they can get Larry to sign it. Yeah. And even more importantly, we sponsored the inaugural Bane Fantasy Adventure Award. Now, this all came together rather quick. Uh, we basically decided to do this in April, and here we are wrangling over the final entries even as we speak, um, and we'll be announcing the winners probably end of this week. And what this inaugural award had was over 500 entries. And, of course, the winner is not only going to receive a very nice trophy, if I do say so myself, along with some nice Bane swag, they will also receive professional publication on our website, joining the likes of Larry Korea, John Ringo, David Weber, Tim Zahn, and the rest who have all had original fiction published on the Bain.com website. Um, for those of you who don't know that, and of course you listen to the podcast, you're probably well aware of it, we publish original fiction and original nonfiction every month on Bain.com. And so the winning story entry will, of course, be published there as well. Yeah. So what's the what's the name of the contest again? It's the Bane Fantasy Adventure Award. And, of course, if you just check out on the Bane website, look in the awards page, you can learn all about that as well as the other contest we sponsor, which is the Jim Bane Memorial Award, given out for science fiction that best exemplifies 
the spirit that it will take to take us back into the stars. Um, it's all about building your rocket ship in the backyard rather than, of course, aliens blasting away at Earth. So it's going to be, a, is this contest going to be an annual event now? That's the intent. With 500 entries, I imagine we're going to keep doing this every year as part of, probably as part of Gen Con. And that is where we're going to be giving out the award this year as well. On Saturday night at Gen Con, Larry Cree and I will be presenting that award in room 245, for those of you who might be attending. Cool, the very first. Um, so we're also announcing uh, Bain Boot Camp yep. at Gen Con, aren't we? As a matter of fact, Bain Boot Camp is going to get its first thing. ad and a flyer. Uh, for those of you who have heard nothing about it, which... If you don't work at Bain, that's all of you. Um, we have decided that uh, we want to help train writers to write the kind of fiction we love. And what that means is not only will we do the more traditional writer's workshop where myself, Tony, Tony Weisskopf, along with a handful of some of Bain writers, the first year I believe we have David Drake, Tom Crapman, and Christ. Travis Taylor coming in to teach writing. But we will also be doing some hands-on workshops because we want people to know what the hell they're talking about when it comes to weaponry and how to use them. So what's going to separate us perhaps from some of the other writer conferences, we're actually going to bring in weapons experts to talk a bit about the weapons and to give you hands-on experience to actually use them, whether it's edged weapons, guns, bows, hand-to-hand -hand combat. Uh, it's a great training shop, one-stop shop to learn some things that, you know, Short of investing years of your life or traveling to uh, different dojos, you won't get that kind of experience anywhere else. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And if you check out the Bain website, you'll find a uh, the workshop, the boot camp workshop, is now part of the website as well. And that's supposed to be going live. Um, it'll go live concurrent with Gen Con. So check back in in about three weeks, and you'll be able to find more detail on the Bain website about the Bain Writers Boot Camp. That's pretty cool. I, I'm imagining doing our workshops in the morning and then going to the the shooting range in the afternoon and figuring out how to <laughs> handle various things. Yeah, although we probably should have somebody else other than the workshoppers running down the fresh targets downrange just so we aren't tempting workshoppers well, to take pot shots that's at each other. what interns are for. <laughs> Safety's first, of course. <laughs> so what are you going to be doing at Gen Con? How's it well, Gen Con, uh, my, my personal schedule at Gen Con is going to be fairly similar to what my schedule will be at any kind of SF convention. Like I said, while it is a gaming convention, and of course, most of what goes on there is centered around various games, uh, both tabletop and role-playing and wargaming and all the rest, they do have a very active track focused on literary side of things, the Writer's Symposium and the Get Literal track. So I'll be doing panel discussions about what it is an editor looks for in fiction, uh, what it is day in the life of the editor. I'll be doing the Bain slideshow. So I'll be on panel discussions and doing solo presentations like I usually do at most conventions. Um, the only added bonus is that we'll be presenting the award, which is something, the only place we do that, of course, is part of the International Space Development Conference with the Jim Bain Award. But otherwise, it's pretty much a typical SF convention. It just happens to be nestled amid 45,000 gamers who aren't attending the Writers' Conference. Yeah. Well, I think it might be interesting just to, what editors do at conventions um, and why they go. Because it's not, um, again, like most editors are fans, and um, they are enjoying it as much as anybody else. 
but that so we go both to push our books, but we also might just go anyway. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it, and again, it varies greatly depending on what kind of convention you're talking about. If it's a small regional convention, you know, it's probably a chance to more interact one on one with both authors, spend more time actually discussing projects. I talked a lot more business at LibertyCon last month where, you know, while there were actually, for a convention of only 600 people, there were a lot of professionals there. Um, it was a chance for me to really spend more time chatting with them, whereas at Gen Con, given the size of the facility and how busy people's schedules are, it's more geared towards promotion. That's why a lot of authors do go to the Writers' Conference, is that it is a chance to actually speak to a huge number of people about your books. But it isn't necessarily as conducive to do business, to talk about projects with upcoming projects with authors, to pitch ideas. That stuff does happen, but it's more of the side note. Same thing with DragonCon. While I do a lot of meetings at DragonCon and do talk business, it isn't nearly as detail-oriented or as in-depth as I would do at a smaller convention, such as World Fantasy, which is almost completely geared towards being a schmooze con. They don't do a lot of programming. They price it very high because then that means there isn't a lot for fans to do. It's a quite deliberate choice on their part, not ours. On the other hand, it means there are hundreds of professional writers who don't have a lot of programming on their hands, and it's a good chance to sit in the bar and talk about business, go to breakfast and talk about business. And, you know, World Fantasy is a place where you can actually talk a lot more about projects with authors, whereas at Gen Con, well, certainly I'll be talking about stuff with the people who are there, it's really more about getting a chance to talk to the fans. Same thing with things like Comic-Con and the rest. Yeah. Do you, say you're a, a budding young writer, you shouldn't probably shove your manuscript into your hands at a convention, right? Or no, <laughs> the, wait, they should, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you should hand all your manuscripts to Tony Daniel because <laughs> he's quite eager to find the next new great writer. Now, obviously... It's one of those things. I, I also try and get to a, at least one writers' conference a year. Um, this year, the the Gen Con Writers' Conference is actually what I'm calling my writers' conference. Although I often go to ones that are more general interest, the, um, whether it's the San Diego State University one or the PNWA or whatever. I go to different writers' conference. One because I like to try and talk to the authors there and say, "Hey, guess what? It's great you're here at this writers' conference trying to learn about publishing, but." unlike these poor schlubs in mainstream fiction, get thee to the SF conventions where your community's meeting almost on any given weekend. There's a science fiction convention going on somewhere. Um, and the other thing I like to explain to them is, of course, it means a lot more to actually sit down and chat with me and show you have an understanding of what you're talking about and are a reasonably intelligent human being than it would to pitch me a book. If you can do a really good pitch to me, I'll hire you to do my radio spots. Doesn't mean you can actually write. Uh, I think the best example to this, and what I mean by that, uh, actually one of the guests at, at Gen Con this year is Jim Butcher. Now, I actually have known Jim a long time, but he had a hard time breaking into publishing. Uh, and then there he was sitting in a bar at a convention, hanging out with a dozen or so people, chatting away, joking, hanging out, just having a good time. And then the woman sitting next to him says, so you said you're right. You got anything you want to send my way? And Jim said, well, um, I kind of did send you something last year and rejected me. And the agent said, well, yeah, but I didn't know you then. 
and Jim did submit to her, and Jennifer Jackson of the Donald Moss Agency signed Jim up, and lo and behold, many bestsellers and a ridiculous amount of success later. Uh, it just goes to show you how it's more about making the personal connection and basically just showing that you're, you you understand that it, what it's really all about, that you're taking it as a pro, not as somebody who's your whole life doesn't hinge on the five minutes you have the chance to talk to me. Come to the SF convention. If you're on a panel with me, great. If you're in the audience and have a smart question, great. Chance to just chat for a bit, you know. That can mean a heck of a lot more than whether or not you're writing just the kind of thing that Bain's looking for. So, Dragon Con. Um, it's impossible to describe it, really. Uh, yeah, it's the best characterization I've ever heard is it's Mardi Gras for SF geeks. Uh, it's, you know, the official number is somewhere around 50,000. Uh, and for fire code reasons, we're going to stick to that number regardless of what we might think really be there. But this is, of course, in Atlanta, Labor Day weekend. And there are music concerts going 24-7, drum circle going 24-7. There's programming about the latest and greatest new media properties. They have the uh, movie personality autograph room where they have a room set aside just so you can go get... Claudia Christian's autograph or Lou Ferrigno's autograph. Then they have the panels that reveal the next new great movie from Hollywood. And then, of course, they actually have a really good SF program buried down in the basement of the Hyatt, usually. And there's multiple tracks talking about the genre. business, um, And there are a lot of authors that attend. Now, again, this is the 30th anniversary of Bane. And so we're kind of doing an even bigger show for Dragon Con this year. So what are we the, going to do? We still have the slideshow. And, of course, you know, a bunch of band authors will be on the programming. Tony Weisskopf and me, Laura haywood Corey will be on programming as well. Our Slushmaster General, Gray Reinhardt, will not only be on programming for the literary track, but will also be doing some filking there. In fact, I believe he's got a featured filk spotlight. Uh-huh. We've had featured Gray's songs on the podcast. And you'll get a chance to actually catch him in a live concert. But even better, beyond the usual, we are doing two very special events. First and foremost, for all you costumers out there, especially anyone out there who wished they had gotten off their butts and taken care of their DragonCon parade registration but missed the deadline, have we got an opportunity for you because we're actually sponsoring Cosplay in the Worlds of Bane. We have made a Bane Dragon Con Parade entry. And all you need to do is go to Facebook, and if you just search for the Bane Dragon Dragon Con Parade Group, you can find the information there, and you can actually still enter. Of course, your costuming will be restricted to playing around one of the many worlds of Bane, but we're actually even offering prizes for people who have best costumes in particular universes. So... I promise you, if you come up with a really great black collar costume from Tim Zahn's Black Collar series, the last title of which was published 15 years ago, you may have a decent chance of winning a prize. This parade, we haven't said exactly what it's like. Oh, well, uh, for those of you who have never been to Dragon Con, it's pretty amazing. Uh, Not only is it 50,000 people partying their butts off for four straight days in downtown Atlanta, on Saturday morning, they actually shut off, shut down all the traffic in the center of Atlanta and do a parade. And 
I think it's almost a thousand costumers somewhere in that ballpark actually march for a mile through the downtown streets of Atlanta. And you've got everything from, you know, people in costumes with their superhero costumes to dressed up as their favorite literary characters. There's usually a very good zombie contingent. Bunch of Doctor Who stuff. Buck of, you know, always a bunch of Doctor Who. I'm, there's always members of the 501st. That's the Star Wars people. And usually the guys who put together the armory, which is another fun section of Dragon Con, have some pretty serious military hardware as part of the parade as well. And again, this year, Bane actually registered an entry, and anybody who's dressing up within the world of Bane and wants to register with us, let us know in advance that you're coming. Get on that website soon. I believe the cutoff even for us is going to be fairly soon. And then we'll have a wristband for you to allow you to march in the parade if you want to. And, of course, the other big event is the Thursday before Dragon Con. Dragon Con officially starts on the Friday before Labor Day. But in this case, on Thursday, August 28th, we are hosting a very special book launch party. And what it'll be is in the Westin, which is one of the main hotels for the convention. In the Westin Hotel, we are holding a launch party for Islands of Rage of Hope, Islands of Rage and Hope, which is John Ringo's new novel in his Black Tide Rising or his Zombie Apocalypse novel. And we'll be also launching A Call to Duty, which is a brand new series set in the Honorverse, co-authored by Timothy Zahn and David Weber. And John will be there, David will be there, Tim will be there. That's right. We're actually getting David Weber to show up at Dragon Con. He's not a big fan of huge crowds. But he's coming down to Dragon Con on the Thursday night before Dragon Con. It's in the Westin. Technically, you don't even have to be a member of Dragon Con to get in that door because the convention hasn't started yet. All you got to do is show up at the Westin, come to the ballroom, and come to our party. And not only will we be there doing a dog and pony show, David will chat, Tim will chat, John will chat. We're also going to have people from Top Cow, and that, of course, is the comic book company who's producing the Honorverse comics, Tales of Honor. And we'll have people who are from Evergreen who are producing the movie premiere. And, of course, the Royal Manticore Navy will be there. Costumers will be there. And it should be a lot of fun. And, again, that's Thursday night, August 28th, downtown Atlanta in the Westin. And you don't even have to be a member of Dragon Con. You just got to come to the Westin Ballroom and have a good time. I mean, this sounds like the thing to do. If you're just going to do one thing at Dragon Con, try to make this. Yeah, well, I got to say, uh, yeah. as much as I love the slideshow and all the free swag we give it away there. Um, yeah, yeah, we give out a lot of free books, by yeah, the way. We, That's the other. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that, yep. And, of course, for those of you wondering, hey, wait, I don't have those newest books. We will be selling copies of Islands of Rage and Hope. And more importantly, we'll be selling copies of A Call to Duty. And considering that book doesn't publish until October. Yeah. Well, if you want your advanced copy, final finished product, now's the time you'll be able to buy it at Dragon Con and nowhere else for a month. Well, that's pretty cool. So the parade, the road show, um, and this book launch party. Does it have an official name? It's a... No, we're just calling it the Bane Book Launch Party as far as I know. So we know Ringo, Weber, and Zahn will all be there. Absolutely. And I imagine we'll probably have a few of the other Bane folks there too. Incognito, because people like, oh, David Coe and Ringo and the, and uh, Mike Williamson and the rest usually are there. And in fact, since Mike's usually set up in the dealer's room, I bet you it'll be a rare chance to actually catch Mike out in a social setting because 
he won't have to be working for once. Yeah, he sells swords and sharp yeah. things. <laughs> yeah, sharppointythings.com. Yeah. Well, what um, what else is on the horizon? What are we up to? Well, beyond, of course, with Gen Con in just a few weeks, then Dragon Con, uh, there'll be other regional conventions. I- I'm going to be attending World Fantasy Con. But more importantly, uh, before that, we're actually going to be doing a booth for the first time, I believe. Band's going to have a booth at the New York Comic Con. Um, and we're going to bring in Larry Correa, probably Char- Chuck Gannon, Charles E. Gannon, our Nebula nominee. He'll be up there on Thursday and Friday. Catherine Asao will probably be dropping by the booth. We also might have uh, John Mertz, author of the Shadow Warrior series. And I believe Reichsboer might be coming down as well. And we're actually going to be doing certain show exclusives, things, some kind, some swag that you'll only be able to get at the New York Comic Con. And that, of course, is in the Javits Center in Manhattan, New York City. And I believe the dates are like October 9th through the 12th or so, somewhere in there. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and October. And it should be a lot of fun. I'll be man in the booth. We're actually going to have a 10 by 10 space amidst all the other massive humanity. Um, of course, New York Comic Con has well over 100,000 attendees, and it's just a giant geek show. Uh, unlike Dragon Con, which is a giant party, New York Comic Con is just a giant, almost like a trade show for the fans. And you'll find lots of fun stuff in there, and a lot of book publishers, a lot of movie people, a lot of comics people, and all the rest. Um, and For me, those are the big things on the horizon. I also know we also have, on Halloween weekend, Raleigh, North Carolina, is going to be HonorCon, which is for all you Honorverse fans out there. Is It's going to be on Halloween weekend? or is it, So World Fantasy is going to be the following the weekend. Following weekend. Yeah, World Fantasy is usually on Halloween, but this year it's actually the weekend after. So I should be making it to HonorCon as well, although I'm trying to keep my time there limited just because I'll be in New York two weeks before that and I'll be in D.C. the week after. That thing is insane. With, uh, it's really cool. With I mean, everybody that has uh, a Royal Manticore and Navy uh, costume uh, uniform comes. And I know that, the uh, again, the Evergreen people and the Top Cow people are planning to be involved there. and That's may the have news. People. Those are the movie people who have the rights to create the Honor Harrington movie and are making the Honor Harrington comic. In fact, we're hoping that the graphic novel for Honorverse Tales of Honor is going to be available at Dragon Con. I can't guarantee that. We're not producing it. Top Cow's making it. They should have enough issues, and the goal is to have the graphic novel there in a month. Um, but I can't guarantee it. It's not our product. It's certainly being ready in time for HonorCon. But if you come to DragonCon, come to our party, they may even have the graphic novel available. You can ask David Weber when the movie's coming out. (laughs) Or just check out the Evergreen site and the Top Cow site. They have info there. So DragonCon is in Atlanta, Georgia. It will be held August 29th to September 1st, 2014. And Gen Con, which happens first, is in Indianapolis, Indiana, and it happens August 14th to 17th. You can find out which Bain authors will be at which conventions, bookstores, and more by going to the Bain.com page. And you click on Bain authors up there on the top and choose event schedule in the pull-down menu. And it's got where everybody's going to be in the next few months. So we've been talking with Jim Menz. He is the senior editor at Bain Books, where he works with writers such as David Weber, Lois Bujold, 
and everybody else, <laughs> many, many others. He will be at Gen Con and at Dragon Con representing. Jim, thanks very much for talking with us on the podcast. It's a pleasure. Hope to see you guys out there. And now here is part 18 of the complete audiobook serialization of Larry Correa's Hard Magic. It's read by Bronson Pinchot. This portion of Hard Magic is provided by Audible.com. Get the complete audiobook at Audible.com now. If you're not a subscriber, you can get the entire audiobook free or choose from more than 100,000 other titles when you try Audible free for 30 days. Okay, here's what has gone before. It's the 1930s in America, but it's an America that has been magically changed. In the 1860s, a handful of people from all walks of life were visited with special magical talents in each generation. More have been so affected. These people are called actives. Most actives use their powers for good, but some do not. Jake Sullivan is a private eye. He's also a former soldier, an ex-con, and an active heavy, the type of active that controls the force of gravity. Jake is pretty good at that. Now, after fighting a magical warrior from an Asian empire and a mob hitman, Jake is being recruited by a mysterious secret organization dedicated to seeing humanity through a possible magic-based apocalypse. Jake has seen ghastly horrors brought on by warring magic as a soldier in World War I, and he isn't sure he wants to become a grim noir knight. On the other hand, he's never been one to run from a fight, if that fight is against an authentic danger. Jake is about to find out how very real the struggle of the grim noir truly is. Here is Bronson Pinchot with Part 18 of the complete audiobook serialization of Larry Correa's Hard Magic. Western Colorado. So you're a secret organization that protects actives. Sullivan took a long drag from the second cigarette he bombed off of Garrett. The train was rolling into the sunset, and the dining car only had a few other people in it, including a young couple, a businessman, an old woman, and the bored waiter loafing at the far side of the cabin. Nobody was close enough to listen in and fights evil magic. Basically, yes. Define evil. It's pretty self-explanatory, Garrett exclaimed. Dan, one man's evil is another man's politics. Sullivan had once gone to prison for doing what he knew to be the right thing, and that wasn't too long after fighting in a war where both sides thought of themselves as the good guys, but that didn't stop them from slaughtering each other by the thousands with every tool at hand. I can't define evil, but I sure as hell know when I see it, Heinrich said. Sullivan grunted in affirmation. I thought she said Dan was the one that was good with words. We do whatever it takes to stop those who would use magic to enslave others. On the other hand, we also fight those who would punish all magicals for the actions of a few. There are powerful actives who would like to put the entire world under their boot. They see themselves as the logical end of the eugenicists' argument, the answer to Darwin's theory. On the other side are the normals who are so scared of magic that they would love nothing more than to just stamp us out of existence. Sullivan had smoked the fag down to nothing and stubbed it out in the ashtray. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. 
So, if it's so good, why is it secret? Those of us that join the society must fight in the shadows. There are forces at work, whole nations, and things even bigger than nations that would have us fail. They'd hunt us down, and if they couldn't destroy us, they'd kill everyone we love. Sullivan pondered Dan's last few words. He seemed to be telling the truth, or at least he believed he was. Does the U.S. government know about you? Parts of it, Garrett said hesitantly, glancing around the room. It's complicated. I'm an American first, active second, Sullivan growled. Despite it being run by a bunch of idiots, Sullivan loved his country and his loyalty ran deep. His older brother, Matt, had often made fun of him for it, but Sullivan was at heart a patriotic man. There are grim noir in every country. We'd never ask any of them to do anything that goes against conscience. Listen, I can't tell you too much. I've been asked to make you an offer. Your talents would be invaluable, but if you turn us down, the less you know, the better off you are. You join us, and then I can answer all your questions. What's in it for me? Sullivan asked, expecting the usual answers for when someone was trying to hire out some muscle. Cash, booze, dames. Daniel cleared his throat and leaned forward, looking him square in the eye. You get to learn more about magic than you ever thought possible, and you get to make a difference. That wasn't the answer he was expecting. That answer felt good, but it also made him suspicious. He checked his head again, but unless Garrett was the best mouth ever, he could sense no intrusion. But life had bit him too many times to not be apprehensive. Who runs the show? What? Heinrich gave a sardonic laugh. So maybe when you take that bit of intelligence back to J. Edgar Hoover, all will be forgiven? That was a sore spot. Screw you, Fade. So... You're ashamed that you hunted down your own kind, aren't you? Sullivan raised his voice slightly. I agreed to help the B.I., but I only went after murderers. That was the deal. Like Delilah Jones, Heinrich spat. It was being lied to about Delilah that had sent Sullivan down this path to begin with. They told me she was a cold-blooded killer. I bought it. How is she? Alive which is more than I could say than if you'd succeeded. All she had done was defend herself from the men who had already shot her father to bits. Good work there. If we had not come to save her, she'd be dead by now, picked out of the jail cell you put her in for the convenience of the Imperium. Heinrich's face was getting red. And you question our honor, our judgment? I think not heavy. Something he'd said had set the young German off. Maybe Sullivan had finally met somebody as distrusting as he was. Easy, Heinrich, Garrett cautioned. I can't answer that yet, Jake. You must understand. Damn it, he was tired of being lied to, sick of being kept in the dark by everyone around him. His patience was done. Sullivan lurched out of the booth, hands on the table to hold himself steady. His body ached beyond comprehension, and he was in a foul mood. 
I'm not taking a job if I can't even know who I'm working for, so I'll just be getting off at the next town. Thanks for the dinner and the duds, but I consider them payback for the ones I wrecked falling off that blimp. Garrett shook his head sadly. Sorry to hear that, pal. I'd say that this was a wasted trip, but we did kill an iron guard. Don't get to do that every day. What are you going to do about the B.I.? We'll work something out, Sullivan muttered, dreading the thought of Rockville. He'd need to come up with a story that would satisfy Hoover as to why he'd gone to visit Torrio and then managed to destroy an entire hotel. Easy as pie. So long, boys. Thanks for helping me ice that jab. And tell Delilah I'm real sorry. So long, Heavy, Heinrich said. I knew this was a mistake from the... He froze. Looking down at his fingers, Garrett suddenly flinched and curled his hand into a fist. Sullivan paused, noticing that both men were looking at their rings. Heinrich suddenly rose and swept all of the dishes and cups onto the floor, spilling coffee across the linoleum. The other patrons startled, and the old lady glared at them disapprovingly. Daniel jumped into the aisle and shouted, Attention, passengers, everyone needs to go back to their cabins right now. This is not a big deal, and you will remember being asked to move by the conductor. The other passengers got up and headed vacantly for the exits. Sullivan felt the words slamming around inside his skull. Garrett's power was staggering, and he felt a strong urge to walk right out, but he focused on a spot on the wall until the feeling subsided. Thank you, everyone. Have a pleasant evening. Garrett made eye contact with Sullivan as he passed, as if surprised to see him sticking around. Hey, waiter, lock the doors and get out. You need a ten-minute smoke break. Right away, sir, the waiter complied without question. There had been no finesse there, just the power of suggestion wielded like a club. Garrett may have looked like a balding, nebbishy librarian, but he was one of the strongest actives Sullivan had yet encountered. Heinrich grabbed the salt shaker, unscrewed the lid, and poured it onto their hastily cleared table. He stuck a finger into the pile and stirred until he'd made a circle four inches across. Don't just stand there, Heavy. Fetch me a glass of water. Curious, Sullivan complied, picked up a cup from the next table, and handed it over. Heinrich stuck two fingers in the water and swirled it about, then took them out and drew two symbols in the center of the circle of salt. Garrett returned from checking the doors a moment later. You better get out of here. We just got the kind of signal that means one of those things that you don't want to know about is going down. Well, now I'm curious. Heinrich said a few words under his breath as he stared into the circle. At first Sullivan thought it was German, but it was something different and unfamiliar. There was a drumming noise at first indistinguishable from the wheels on the track, but it grew in pitch until it was just a ringing in the ears. The room seemed to flex, almost like when Sullivan was testing his own power, and then a white glow appeared as the salt seemed to ignite. It burned brightly, as if it were being fused into a solid object. It floated up from the table and rotated until it was facing them at eye level. It was like looking at a tiny motion picture, like one of those new television devices. There were people moving in the circle, but they were slightly hazy, and he could see the train's window through them. Daniel, Heinrich, this is Lance. Can you hear me? 
a face appeared in the floating circle, a blunt-nosed man with a lumberjack's beard. "'Got you, Lance,' Garrett replied. Injuries forgotten, Sullivan moved around to the side. No matter where he stood, the porthole seemed to turn to face him so he could see the same picture. He couldn't believe it. This wasn't a power that resided inside someone. This was magic on its own, like something from an old fairy tale. Heinrich had just cast an actual spell, which, according to everything he'd ever read, was totally impossible. Do you remember the stories about the Geotel? the man in the circle asked. Of course, Daniel replied. Oh, no. Did he find part of it? It looks like he got part of the Portuguese and probably the blueprints from Jones. The mouth swore under his breath. This is bad, very bad. Will he be able to build one? The Geotel, what's that? Heinrich asked. No time to explain, Lance said. We don't know if the chairman's got enough to figure one out yet or not. Where are you? We're on the Pullman, Denver to Ogden. We're almost in Utah now, Garrett responded. You're the closest to Christensen. Make sure he's all right. Hold on, the general needs to speak with you. The view of the circle shifted, careening wildly about, and Sullivan saw several other people, including an old, bald man who looked strangely familiar, and a young girl in a rough dress. Then the view seemed to lift and settle downward so that it was looking into the face of a man lying flat on his back in bed. The man had to be over a hundred years old. His face was like a skull, crossed with purple veins, milky, cataract-filled eyes with gray skin stretched tight over it, mottled with blotches and bruises. Tubes had been run into his nostrils. Garrett! His voice was almost a whisper, and Sullivan was impressed that he could do that much. Get to Sven as quickly as you can. Recover the device that was in his protection. Yes, General. Apparently those eyes could still see. Is this the heavy? He stepped forward. I'm Jake Sullivan. Who are you? We've met before, Sergeant Sullivan. Turns out I pinned a citation star on you myself. After the armistice, it was too bad you served under General Roosevelt, because from your reputation, I certainly could have used a man like you. Sullivan scowled, studying the diseased face. It couldn't be. The man who had done that honor had been a strong man, and it hadn't been that long ago. General Pershing? In the flesh, or what's left of it. Sullivan was speechless. John J. Pershing, supreme commander of the American Expeditionary Force in the Great War, had disappeared from public life three years before. This was the greatest military commander alive, the highest-ranking general in U.S. history, and they'd even talked about running him for president a little while back. Sir, what happened? I've been assassinated. I just haven't given the bastards the satisfaction of dying just yet. Welcome to the Grim Noir, Sullivan. I haven't exactly enlisted yet. Then consider yourself 
drafted son. All hell's about to break loose. Sullivan hesitated, unsure what to say. Sir, I, I don't. I'm asking you, one soldier to another, for your help. This is not a small thing, I ask. And it will be dangerous. And it will be a sacrifice. But it is the right thing to do. It is the right thing for your country and your people and your God. And for all that you hold sacred, you have my word. It ain't like you've got anything better going on. I'll need to get J. Edgar Hoover off my back. I won't be much good to you as a fugitive. Important men owe me favors. It's done. Garrett, bring this man up to speed. Go get Christensen. Protect that device at all costs. Burn any Imperium that get in your way. Burn them down. Then get back here. Any questions? Heinrich and Daniel simultaneously said, No, sir. Sullivan had a thousand questions, but he just nodded. Do not fail. The picture disappeared, leaving a circle of fused salt hanging in the air. The glow dissipated. The circle fell to the table and shattered into bits. I suppose that answers my question about who called the shots, Sullivan said. That was part 18 of the complete audiobook serialization of Hard Magic by Larry Correa, as read by Bronson Pinchot. And that's it for the podcast. Thanks to Audible.com. Thanks to podcast theme composer Ruth Judkowitz. And a thousand days of internet free reading in a pocket universe that's actually a skybox with different teleportation control sets for either Lambeau Field, Camp Randall Stadium, or both, entangled together in a sweet quantum froth. To Bane editor Jim Menz. Please join us next time here at the hammering heart of science fiction and fantasy. And keep reaching for the stars. <laughs>